five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA. We're going to talk about destruction and death in media today. <laughs> anyway, let's start with uh, Tom Dixon in Will It Blend? This is the very first one. Now, Will it blend? That is the question. He gets right into it. I'm going to place approximately 50 marbles in a jar, and I'm going to run the ice cream cycle, which this is, is before the slowest cycle we have. Before they got the uh, fancy studio, we'll that later. That, oh, you have a sign. They put a sign in the cafeteria. Or maybe that's the lab. This is glass dust. Don't breathe this. Yes, it blends. I think that they didn't have very many that didn't blend. I think that that uh, pry bar didn't blend. <laughs> did not blend. <laughs> oh, well, some, you know, you win some, you lose some. So anyway, uh, let's turn this off and get over to the, the social media blend story. Okay, the story behind Will It Blend by Kells Goodman. Uh, and this is from about about 2011 okay it's been six years since we first posted our will it blend episode and george wright george white was the marketing the new marketing director there's a lot of uh there's a lot of articles that don't mention george so i wanted to mention george white it may be the genius of this whole thing george got the the inspiration to blend marbles and rakes and cans of Coke by watching Tom test the power. So Tom was the CEO, but he loved to play with these things and durability of blenders by blending two by fours down to sawdust. Okay, so this was an actual, I, I guess, a thing they did regularly. They, they, they stress tested it with two by fours. And so George thought, well, let's see what else we'll blend. So I think we have to credit George. And this is the only article I, I, I looked at. I don't know, maybe a half dozen I read. And this was the only one that mentioned George. So we, I'm glad we found him. If you watch the first 10 or so Will It Blend episodes, you'll see Tom with almost no comedy, no lines, no gags, no sound effects. Basically said, here are some marbles. I think we'll blend these. And then he added the don't breathe this. <laughs> now, I have been in the recycling business, and uh, you can check my LinkedIn profile for the two patents around recycling fly ash. And one of the, one of the things we used to turn fly ash into uh, cement, usable cement, was glass dust. That When they re recycle it, they crush it for the most part. And um, I remember going to the glass plant in Tennessee, I think, and it was just a cloud in there. <laughs> and, you know, I asked them about that and they said, no, silica, when it when it uh, is crushed, makes shards. 
and that's highly toxic. But glass, regular glass, sort of makes spheres. It crushes into spheres. So you're probably okay. Also, I wanted to note that one of the reasons it's really good on glass, on marbles and iPhones is that um, unlike, unlike like Vitamix, Blendtec doesn't have sharp blades. It smashes stuff. It pulverizes stuff. It works great for ice for that reason. Uh, and I bought the peanut butter uh, accessory, and I wanted to make a single margarita in it you know, and blast the, the ice. And I made the mistake of putting the ice in and then adding the ingredients, the liquid. And I put the top on it thinking it would seal like the other one does, and it just exploded margarita in the kitchen. My wife was not happy with that. Um, but I looked at the thing a little bit and realized that it was a four-inch diameter uh, lid on the thing and that I could get a four-inch o-ring on ebay for about five dollars and i put that on there and now i can make margaritas but the key is to first blend the ice cubes and then blend the ingredients gently in with the with the snow cone that you get anyway so um so george copied the the warning from the marbles video and pasted it into the following episodes. It was an inside joke, but eventually became a staple of the series, okay? And so here's another uh, article from 2011, about the same time. And uh, CEO Tom Dixon grew up putting big engines in little things. He would attempt to blend things like wood, marbles, and golf balls. I'm not sure if that was before George or after. And one day when the company's first marketing director witnessed Tom's testing techniques, he knew they would be marketing gold. See, that's that's George, but they didn't even mention George. Can you believe that? The marketing director. Let's get some research done here. That's why you watch this show, because you get the inside story with the marketing research. Uh, Tom started making videos of the tests and started using more and more obscure items. And since then, 172 million views, and that's gone up, of course. The next article says, I think, 250 million views. Um, and Blendtec, which was mostly for um, mostly for commercial, for bars and things, to make margaritas, uh, all of a sudden started selling to consumers. They got into Sam's Club or Costco or maybe both. They s sold a simplified one, which is what we've got. Um, and sales have increased over 1,000%. Um, so the takeaways, ask Blendtec's marketing department, uh, be genuine, create original content that people will love to see. And Blendtec did not hide the fact that the <laughs> CEO was quirky and liked to tinker with blenders in a way that most people wouldn't. Don't be afraid to have a little bit of fun and show the world that there are real people behind your, your company name. Now, this is actually probably the best article from LinkedIn uh, about marketing pioneers. You know, 2006, that's not, that's not my kind of pioneer, but... Anyway, the distant past, 26. Uh, George Bush was president. Motorola Razor was the, the, the phone. And uh, so they did it on the cheap with the look of a late night commercial. Cheesy titles, cheesy music. I agree with that. Uh, and instead of a, a slick, polished pitch man, the star of the show is Tom Dixon. Uh, looking slightly uncomfortable to be on camera. 
I would say. Yes, and here he is. Now, this is the set that they went to later uh, where they, you know, dialed it up a little bit. Will it blend? That is the question, Dixon says and pours the mar marbles. Don't glass dust. Don't breathe this. Yeah, that won't kill you. There's no problem. Those, But here's the important part. The series is remarkable for what it doesn't have. This is why I want you to think about this, okay? Almost more than for what it does. There's no product pitch, no mention of model numbers or prices. There's no touting the benefits and features of the blender. No indication of what you might actually use the blender for in the kitchen. <laughs> or even pointing out that the blender is powerful. You don't have to say that when it grinds up a rake or a two by four. There's not even a call to action. This is the part I love the most, right? It goes against every, well, and I would say it's not direct marketing either. It's more like, you know, brand. It's getting the blend tech name across and making you think when you want a blender and when your blender bl breaks, because that's really what, what happens. You buy a blender and you try to do a margarita and it just, the whole thing, we've had a melt. <laughs> okay, so that first video is currently at 6.5 million while it's at 7.3 million as of today. Okay, but then the really the really cheesy one was the iPhone, and that's up to 12 million views, and that's about where this, this was written in 2015, but it hasn't gone up significantly. They haven't put up a new video in two years, so maybe Tom retired or something. I smoke. I like that part. Don't breathe this. Okay, and I'll show you that one in a minute. Okay, let's go over to that one. Boom. You don't think I know how to run this stuff? Try this at home. I love that. Don't try this at home. But it does imply that you could get the blender for your home. I love the sparks. When the screen goes. Oh. The battery. The battery makes it all black. I think. Oh, yes. And the original iPhone had a glass screen. Look at him. <laughs> that smile. Pretty sure he has a toupee. I smoke. Ice. Ice. Don't smoke. breathe this. And look, that's the K. That's the wraparound metal. <laughs> I wondered what that was. Anyway, much fun. Uh, the first time I saw it, I was. It was almost side-splittingly funny to me. Uh, it may not be to you. You know, you, I can't speak for you. But um, there's an odd catharsis watching Dick. Dixon smash the screen, fold it in half. Oh, that he went to. A, he also did an iPad when it just came out. Okay, and so uh, they have a Facebook page. Um, they have 265 million views, probably still about that since they haven't put any up lately. And uh, and the campaign is all about brand awareness, helping us build top of mind awareness and establish Blendtec as the premier blender manufacturer. Um, have personality, get creative, build community. I mean, blowing up stuff is fun. You know, every 4th of July as an institution now, I show the uh, the Black Rifle Coffee Star Spangled Banner. But it's, you know, the problem with that one is that it isn't, it isn't germane to their product, right? They don't blow up coffee. 
They just shoot stuff. Well, they use rifles, black rifles, so I suppose it maybe it goes with their name. Um, so by showcasing their product in a unique, gleefully destructive way, they continue to entertain millions of people two minutes at a time. I would say most importantly, in you know, when you're trying to think about recession or whatever, it isn't always the money you spend. You know, Hathaway shirts, look up that case study. Uh, from David Ogilvy. It's in his book, Confessions of an Ad Man. He stopped at a pharmacy on the way to the, the photo shoot for Hathaway and picked up an eye patch on just a, I don't know, he thought, well, I wonder what it'll look like. He was big, big uh, direct marketing guy, big into testing. And so he had the model wear the Hathaway shirt with the eye patch. And uh, it just, I think it doubled like a hundred year old company overnight. Um, so it doesn't always, it isn't always the, the money you spend. It's usually some other thing. So test a lot. Okay. Now I do want to touch on Ritson. This is a long article, but basically, uh, he, he's talking about how the, the internet, and this was from a few years ago, about five years ago, would be the end of everything of advertising as we know it. Okay. It's, he says that's, that haunts every possible marketing moment and i have to say my my two best uh my two best videos in the last two months one was do this or die and another one was direct mail is not dead and both of those <laughs> had about 1700 impressions which is for me good and uh so the death theme is is often um uh, the first thing that anybody says in articles about direct mail, uh, the end of ever advertising as we know it, if you Google that, you'll find a 2000 series of inane conference presentations from the 90s. You'll find, a, oh, you'll find a best-selling book from 2000 and a series of inane conference presentations from the 1990s, right? I never believed that, and I stuck with mail to my, probably to my d detriment, but uh Ritson says advertising has evolved, but a surprising amount hasn't changed at all. And, you know, I would just point to the way Blendtec used YouTube as a purely brand promotion, right? There was no, there was no customization, right? There was no personalization. There was no segmentation. It was just a nutty commercial that wasn't even a commercial. It was just a nutty video, and uh, they just kept capitalizing on it. Uh, I think the very first Marvel one was the number one. In those days, they would say, here's the number one watched video from last week, and it would be a thing when, you, when, when YouTube was new. Uh, the end is very much nigh. And so um, Forrester in 2017 said advertising is going to die because we just don't have any tolerance for interruptions, okay? And we all know that we get interrupted by our email, we get interrupted by our uh, by our advertising around on our on our websites. I can't tell you how many ads I watched already today because I can't remember any of them. The small, uncomfortable corner of experience where advertising lives and occasionally emerges from from to occupy your consciousness. Uh, for a few tantalizing moments of engagement. He goes on to say, basically, the only people who really think pe people pay attention to advertising are 
advertising people. <laughs> and because we don't like interruptions, there's going to be the end of the end of advertising. It will not stand. Okay. Next big bump for digital media is the fact that this is singularly inappropriate context to try and interrupt a user's experience for even a second. He said. Okay. So there's a reason that you need to show an average digital display, the average digital display to 2,000 people before one of them will click on it, which is okay when it's, you know, when it's a penny per banner ad or something. Now that it's, I think the average click, or the average click, it costs you something about five bucks and you got a 50% bounce rate, something like that. I got that from Adweek. Um, humans evolved at a glacial pace, but technology with value is always in demand. Mark Zuckerberg's vision, he too claimed an end to advertising, was engaging organically with consumers in conversation as equals. Though that didn't actually work. <laughs> and, and now Facebook has got a bunch of regular ads that look just like display ads of the last hundred years or so. Not only is the digital consumer pretty much out of bounds from an attention point of view, the device she's using is equally uncooperative. And so then <laughs> the ancient technology of interruption sits uncomfortably in the age of digital media. Then he get, gets into TVs, you know, that will be the end of radio and all this. But it, what's really funny is here's his basic conclusion. The passivity of TV audience ironically makes it far more immune to the interruption issue because <laughs> you're just sitting there and you don't feel like getting up unless you have to do your duty, you know, or you have somebody to talk to. He spent, apparently as a research project, he spent hours and hours and hours watching people watch TV. And so he, <laughs> the, the ad world wanted to know what was the, what was the, main factors of attention to the ads playing on the TV and basically was, was there anything else to do? Was there anyone in the room to talk to? And, uh, and those were the main factors. So anyway, it's a good article. Uh, he also cites, uh, <laughs> they can't be bothered to change the channel because the remote is over there so they endure and so that's why tv continues to have practical advertising benefit <laughs> anyway he also alludes to uh to the death of marketing cliches which is an excellent read i'll put both of these up there for you have a great day like and share your friends will know you're smart Bye-bye. We got a great one tomorrow from Gunderson. I'll get to that for sure. Okay.